0: And we are traveling to the cross of Christ. And we want to experience that love that Larry's sang about. And uh, we're learning about that from our study. So um, we're going to try this again this week. Uh, last week, I tried and failed. So what we have is a memory verse. If you remember, um, it's Luke chapter 9, verse 23. I have to tell you, Evan, who's really good at Bible quizzing, was home for a couple days from Trevecca. He had to get on the road early this morning, try to beat the snow to get back, or he would be here today. But last night I told him, I said, man, I just, I really embarrassed myself. You know, I'm a pastor, and I missed that little word, all. And so uh, I'm going to try this again. I, he worked with me. I think I've got it, but I still might fail. And what I need you guys to do is let me know if I get any word wrong, if I forget an and, if I forget all, like you all, that type of thing, just just give me a thumbs down because my goal is before my surgery to be able to quote this verse. But here's the gauntlet, here's the challenge. If I can get up here and embarrass myself, I would love to see some of you memorize this verse as well. And you can, you don't have to get up here and do it unless you want to it's kind of a little nerve wracking, but I would invite you to do it. But even if you pull me aside in the hallway and quote this verse to me, I will give you a special prize. Because I know it's not easy. I struggle with it myself. So what I'm gonna do is put my blindfold on again, and we're gonna give this a shot to see if I can, I can do this. And once I get my blindfold on, I'm going to ask the tech team to advance the slide And then once that verse is up there, you guys give a hand clap just to let me know. Because, all right, all right. Here we go with a little help from Evan. Let's see if I can do this. Okay. Then he said to them all, I got it that time, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Thumbs up. Hey, I even got it. All right. Wow. So, hey, second time's a charm, I guess. And then take me three. So the gauntlet is, is thrown down. Will you, Can you guys memorize this one? Luke nine twenty three Because it really is our, it's our memory verse. It's our theme verse for this study, water for the way. And when you look at this, Jesus is really laying out for his disciples, which, by the way, isn't just Peter, James, and John. It's Larry, Jeremy, Ed, Miles. It's all of us. We're all his disciples. And we want to be his disciples. And so he's laying out what we need to do to be his disciples. And really, when you look at this, deny yourself, take up your cross daily, not just on Sunday, but daily, and follow him, he is calling us to be Christ-like in this world. He is calling us to share Christ-like love to people who need Jesus in their life. And if you go this Lent season, these 40 days, as we get ready for Easter and experience that love that comes into the room in all of our lives, but if we're not sharing Christ-like love to others, then we're not really his disciples. We need to lay ourselves down. We need to take up that cross daily and follow him, meaning follow his example of how he loves other people. For the next couple weeks, we're going to talk about that. And this week is one of my favorite stories about Jesus' Christ-like love. And when we read this story, don't only read the scripture like a newspaper. I'm guilty of this because I'm a pastor. I'll read the scripture and I'll... um, I'll think of things like, oh, that's a good point. Oh, that's the second point. I'll, I read a scripture and I come up with my three points. That's great. I, I think it's good to kind of analyze God's scripture, but we should also read it in a different way too. There's a way you can read God's scripture where you immerse yourself into the story. I remember doing this as a kid when I would read the Hardy Boys. I became one of the Hardy Boys when I was young. When I read comic books, which I loved, I became Batman. I became Spider-Man. I immersed myself in the story. I could see what was going on in the scene. I could smell. I could experience. There's something about doing that in God's Word where you not only read it as kind of an outside observer, but you start to think of what you would do if you were a disciple in the story. What you would do if you were Christ going into the city and sitting by a well. Think about that as we read these scriptures. Let's stand for the reading of God's word. John chapter 1 is where we'll begin. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John the Baptist. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea, And went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar. Near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus was tired. Isn't it good to know that Jesus even got tired? As he was from the journey sat down by the well, and it was about noon time when he sat down. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I don't have to keep coming here and get thirsty and keep coming here to draw the water. He told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right. When you say you have no husband, the fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you are now with is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. "'Sir,' the woman said, "'I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that this is the place where we must worship in Jerusalem.' "'Woman,' Jesus replied, "'Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem.' You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. Your salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship one Father in the Spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is Spirit, and His worshipers must worship in Spirit and truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah called Christ is coming. When He comes, He will explain everything to us. I love this one. Then Jesus declared, I am the one speaking to you. I am he. The disciples rejoined Jesus. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Why are you talking with her? Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to town and said to the people, come, come. See, a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? Then came out of the town and made their way toward him. Let's drop down to verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two days, and because of Jesus' words, many more became believers. Dear Heavenly Father, bless the reading of your word. Help us to see ourselves in this story. Help us to receive the living water that you can only give. And help us to love people like you did with the love of Christ. We ask this in your name, the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. So I want to begin today with a little bit of a test. Um, You know there's many companies throughout our world that have trademarks. They don't even have a word or anything like that. It's just a picture. And you can see that picture and you know exactly what that trademark or who that company is let me give you a little test so here we've got three trademarks what do you think the first one there on the far left is what what's that company facebook Facebook. i probably see it every single day when i open up my phone facebook how about the middle one what's the middle logo no words there just a letter what is it McDonald's. mcdonald's the golden arches have it your way. We know that. These companies are so good. How about this one? What? What's that? Is that like a big zero for no wins? What is that? What? The best team in the Big Ten. The best team in the Big Ten. Okay, see? We don't even have to spell it out. We can look at that picture and know. And then I had to give this one. What? What's this This one up? The worst team in the Big Ten? Is that what it is? <laughs> probably, probably. But it's, it's really interesting that we don't even have to spell a word out or anything. They just show you an image and you know what it is. So here's my question today. What is the trademark for a Christian? Maybe someone would say, because I see them on cars, the little Ichthus fish, the little fish. It, that, that's, that trademark actually has a little bit of a history, which I kind of like. Early Christian believers used that logo to kind of identify themselves. And so maybe that's a trademark. Another one is a cross. Sherry and I have a little cross right in front of our house as you're walking in. There's a cross. That could be a trademark too. No matter what you think a Christian trademark is, I would say none of these is really the trademark Jesus wants you to be known for. Ichthus fish, nice. Cross is great. We're on our journey to the cross. But Jesus wants us to be known by our love. In fact, John 13, 35 says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciple if you love one another. So in order to be a true disciple, it's true what Jesus told his disciples. We got to deny ourselves. We got to take up that cross, pick up that cross daily and follow him and if we are truly following him if we're truly being his disciple we need to love like Jesus that's how they will know doesn't matter if you wear a cross around your neck or put it out in front of your new your your house doesn't matter if you have a nickthroughs fish on your car none of that matters if you don't do this that is what makes the difference in a life And so when we look at the story of the woman at the well and Jesus' encounter, we see three things. Here, I'm going back to my newspaper, textbook, way I look at Scripture. But we see three things that helps us identify what Christ-like love really looks like. Number one, Christ-like love must go to people in need. Not should go, not highly encouraged to go, must Go to people in need. In fact, if you look at one of my favorite verses that we read, I knew it was a lot of text. I was like, maybe I shouldn't have had them stand up for all that because it was a long text. But one of my favorite verses in this text is one that I think a lot of times when I was young, I just kind of skipped over. It's like, why does John even say this? It's John chapter 4, verse 4. John, the writer, the apostle John, includes this little verse in there, And he says, now Jesus had to go. In fact, in um, the King James, it says, must go through Samaria. Jesus had to go through Samaria. This is a significant verse for us to understand. You see, John isn't giving us a a description of how. He's not being Waze. He's not being Google Maps telling oh, well, this is how Jesus is going. There is a reason he mentions that. Back in the Bible times, and John even mentions it in the text, the Jewish people had nothing to do with Samaritans. They despised them. There was a racial and religious divide between them. It went back to the Assyrian exile. And many of the Jewish people stayed with the Assyrians and they intermarried. And they adopted some of their religion those people were called Samaritans. So the Jewish people would look at Samaritans as, as dogs, half-breeds. They're only partially Jewish. So they despised them, so much so that if you had to do what Jesus was going to do, go from Judea to Galilee, if you were a self-respecting Jew, a law-abinding Jew, you would not do the straight route right on up through Samaria No, because if you did that, you would be unclean. You had to go the long route, all the way around to avoid Samaria. And believe me, Jewish people did this all the time. Because this was a major route. Judea to Galilee, Galilee to Judea. If you were a very religious Jew, which Jesus was, you would go around and avoid Samaria. But John, in chapter 4, verse 4, said, Jesus had to go to Samaria. Had to. Why? Because he wanted to take a shortcut? No. You see, he had a divine appointment with a person who needed him. Was it convenient for him to do this? No. I'm sure his disciples were thinking, what kind of rabbi is this taking us through the dirt ridden streets? The, 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 The the sinful area of Samaria. But Jesus had to go to meet this woman at the point of her need. What do we know about this woman? Well, we know she was in a lot of pain, a lot of brokenness, a lot of shame. And you might say, well, shame, how do you know that? Well, back in those days, women would go to the well early in the morning. That's when they would go, before the heat of the day so that they could go get their water, they would talk. It was a social type of outing. You would catch up and see how Betty's doing, how how Kay's doing, how the family's doing. You would have all this dialogue, they'd get their water, go back, and before the heat of the day came, they had everything they needed for the rest of the day. This woman did not do that. She went in the heat of the day at 12 noon. Why? Because she was ashamed of her life. She was broken. She knew she didn't have any connection with those other women. And why? Well, Jesus nailed it. He says, bring your husband. And she's like, I don't have a husband. He's right, yeah. You have five. And the one you're living with now is not your own. You see, when we have an encounter with Jesus, he gets to the very heart of our pain and brokenness. He gets to the part where we don't mention it, those things in church. We don't mention those things that of people we only know a little bit. We might not even mention those painful things to people we know the best because they're so painful. They're too shameful. But Jesus asked this question to get to the heart of her pain. Why? Because the only way that pain can be resolved it's if you give it to Jesus. If you give it all to Jesus, if you lay it to him on the altar of him, he will take that most vulnerable pain that you have and give you victory. You see, it's, it's really popular today to be transparent. I hear that all the time. Transparent's cool. To be genuine, authentic. You hear that all the time. What's really hard is to be Vulnerable. Vulnerable. Because when you're vulnerable, you open yourself up to the hurt, the pain, that only Jesus can take away. And when he asks her that probing question, she became vulnerable. And he offers her the living water. You see, there are people just like this woman in the well that we know I think some of them will be here tomorrow night during our community meal. People that, you know, a lot of times regular people say, oh, you don't want to deal with that homeless person. You don't want to deal with that ex-convict. You don't want to deal with that alcoholic or that drug user. I mean, there's just too much going on. Jesus had to go to that woman at the well. And if we are going to demonstrate his Christ-like love, we need to go to people who need Jesus. Are you willing to go wherever Jesus sends you? Are you willing to go wherever he, he tells you to go? Even if it's not popular, even if it's not comfortable. Jesus had to go to Samaria. And we need to go where people need the Lord. Second thing is that Christ-like love sees that person and engages those people in need. He sees, he sees, he sees where you are. He sees the pain, he sees the hurt. He knows what you are going through and not only does he see it, he engages you. I love to think about the eyes of Jesus. Those are eyes that are of compassion. He saw the exterior and knew the heartache, the terrible heartache that this woman had in her life. He knew what she was going through just by her being at that well at 12 noon. He knew about the many husbands and her current situation. He saw her shame and her feelings of worthlessness. He saw her brokenness. He saw her pain. And he did not excuse the sin. I think that's important. Didn't say, oh, hey, that's okay, shove it under the rug. No. No. But he engaged her and reached out to her in love, offering living water. Too many times Christians see people in need and point the finger of judgment. That's not what Jesus does. He doesn't accept the sin. No, he reaches out in love and shares living water. And that's what we need to do, is share Jesus with people in need. The question is today, do you have, The eyes of Jesus. The eyes that look beyond the facades that we all put on. The eyes that see someone who's hurting and struggling. Someone who's going through a time in their life where they don't have the answers. Do you have the eyes of Jesus in your life? Third and final thing. Christ-like love crosses human-made boundaries to love people and watch God. God transformed their lives. Christ-like love, and and think about this, we put boundaries all around us. Throughout history, humans have put boundaries on us. And Jesus, kind of like the Samaritans and the Jews, that was a boundary. Jesus decided to cross that human boundary and love this woman, and her life was transformed. Do we do the same if you read the devotional today, once again, our author, April Benjamin, tells of a story and he, he actually was ministering in South Africa during apartheid. And if you remember, if you're old enough like me to remember apartheid, it was a bad situation where there was a lot of human-made boundaries between race. The white people of South Africa and then also the black people of South Africa. And so he describes that kind of tension that was between there, and he's a minister trying to minister Christ-like love in that situation. It's a great example of how we put boundaries between one another. I really think it's our enemy Satan that does that. He wants to divide us, almost like the Tower of Babel. You know, He wants to get us trying to do something to distract us and then divide us. That's what he tries to do. How many times do we have boundaries in our life though? We have boundaries of race, kind of like what the author talked about in South Africa. We have boundaries of class. Well, you didn't grow up on this side of town, you grew up on this side of town. I make more money than you and you don't. We have boundaries of background. Oh, you grew up in the North, you're a Yankee. You grew up in the South, you're a Southern rebel boundaries of politics religion we have boundaries even about where you were born where you were born if you weren't born in the right area then that's a boundary between you and i i know this to be true i can attest i was born in michigan and many times i feel like this little kid right here i'm the guy who is off to the side because i was born on the wrong side of, the, uh, of, our, of our state line. I was born up north instead of in Ohio. So I can attest that where you grew up or even what sports team you root for can create a boundary. So the question is today, do you allow those boundaries to prevent you from sharing God's love with people who need him? You see, Jesus did not. Jesus reached out to this woman. He reached out across that human boundary between Jews and Samaritans to love this woman and give her living water. The question I ask you today, are you willing to be like Jesus and cross those human made boundaries to people who are different than you? People who grew up in Michigan and not Ohio. People who grew up on the wrong side of the tracks, or the right side of the tracks. People who are different than you, are you willing to go and give your life and reach out in Christ-like love to them? What's amazing is when Jesus did this to this woman, remember, she was there at 12 noon. Why? Because she was ashamed of her brokenness, ashamed of her pain, ashamed of her sin. She meets this incredible Jesus, who even tells her he's the Messiah, he's the Christ, and it lights such a fire under her that she exchanges her shame for boldness. Look at what verse 39 says. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in Jesus. Why? Because of this woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. You see, When we reach across boundaries, when we reach out to people like this woman who needs Jesus, the result is transformation. Not only of that person's life, instead of being shameful, she's boldly sharing Jesus with others, but the entire town heard the story of Jesus and wanted to come and see who this guy was. That's the kind of transformation that takes place if we're willing enough, brave enough, courageous enough to reach across those boundaries and share Christ-like love with people. I want to close by telling you a story because I think every person is different. Every person has a story. But this is a story about a little child. And this child grew up in the church. This child got saved when they were only seven years old. They went to children's church, vacation Bible school. They they just loved church. Every time the church was open, this child would never miss it. Never miss it. In a million years, this child loved church, loved Jesus. I, I love it when our kids come up. Like next Sunday, when I do my family devotion, I love kids like that because that's exactly what this child was like. They loved Jesus. They couldn't wait to live their life for Jesus. Then, this child turned into a teenager. Have you ever been a teenager? It's kind of a rough time. I know I've been there, and it was rough. But this child turned into a teenager, and something happened. This child began to rebel against the Jesus that showed love to this child. Began to rebel, got into the wrong crowd, and by the time this child was in junior high, they were drinking alcohol most every weekend, By the time it was high school, this child would go grab a fountain drink from McDonald's maybe and put alcohol in that fountain drink and go to school almost every single day. This child was on the path to alcoholism. This child completely rebelled against what this child knew when they went to church and got saved at seven years old. When they got saved, they were were saved. They were committed, but now as a teenager, they were in this backslidden condition and going down a dangerous route. This child started hanging out with the wrong crowd, and for a thrill, some of this child's friends decided to go to a, a mall and do some shoplifting. And before you knew it, this child, who grew up in the church, saved at seven years old, was arrested for shoplifting. That's the path that this child was on. And it really took a turn in the matter of about five years. This child went from church to destruction very, very quickly. And it can happen like that, church. If you are not on guard, it can happen that quickly. Well, it was the New Year's Eve of the senior year of this child's high school career And this child was, of course, at a New Year's Eve party, as you would expect. Drinking not water, but a lot of alcohol, a lot of other things. Completely drunk out of their mind. Ended up being about 6 o'clock in the morning. Looked at the watch and thought, I better get home before my parents wake up or I'm going to be in big, big trouble. So this child got into their car. It was New Year's Eve day at that point. And it was a snowy back road, and this child's driving quickly to try to get home before mom and dad woke up. And as this child was running through the, the streets, the car, he, they lost control of the car, hit a snowbank, and immediately on impact, this child broke. Not the car, but the spirit. Right when that car hit the snowbank. Something happened in this child's life. All those memories of church. All those memories of Jesus' love. All those, even as as a teenager, this child can can see many times when the child was out drinking, walking into the house and seeing mom praying for this child. And this child had grandparents. Grandparents who never gave up. Even though this child refused to go to church, they never gave up. And in the moment of impact, on that New Year's Day, someone was with the Lord. It was a well. And Jesus came into that car, and this child's life was forever changed. Who would believe that that mixed-up teenager on the path to alcoholism, lawlessness, a record of shoplifting, would be standing before you today as a testimony of God's love that reaches beyond. You see, when we read this story and we just don't read it like a newspaper, I see myself as that woman in the well. My well was a car, 1977 Malibu Classic station wagon. It was, it was a boat. That was my will. And my brokenness, my shame, wasn't five husbands. It was a path to alcoholism. It was a criminal record. It was a path of destruction that I was on that if I wouldn't have met Jesus that day, and rekindled my relationship with him, I guarantee you I would be dead right now because of the path I was on. But Jesus had to go to Samaria. Jesus had to go to Michigan in that car to offer me living water. What was your well? What was your well? Your well might not have been a 1977 Malibu, Your well might have been a bar. Your well might have been arrogance or a critical nature. Your well might have been a pew where you just went to church and went through the motions but never had a breakthrough relationship with Jesus the Messiah. The reality is we all have a well and Jesus dares to go to us and offer us living water so that we can have hope and life have it to the full. So when we see people who are broken, when we see people who are struggling with abuse, alcohol, pornography, whatever it is that they're struggling with, we should see and remember, but for the grace of a God, that's me. I was that woman at the well. And when we read a story from that perspective and we see what it must have been like for Jesus to engage, she knew he wasn't supposed to be speaking to her, but he engaged her. Why? Because he loved her. My question to you today is, do you know someone who's hurting? Someone who's at a well, who's broken, who's shameful, who's on that path to destruction. And the question I want to ask you today is, what can you do to help that person? You see, if we really want to be Christ's disciple, we have to lay aside ourselves. we got to deny ourselves any kind of preconceived notion that separates us from people. And we've got to take up that cross daily, meaning a sacrifice, dying out to him daily, and following him, meaning that we follow his example, that we share the love of God with others like that woman at the well. Maybe as I've been preaching today, God's laid a person on your heart, a soul on your mind, that you wanna pray for. I know as I've been preaching, there's a person that I'm thinking of. It's a family member who's going through a really difficult time. They feel broken, they feel hurt. And I just feel like today, I want to lay that name at the foot of the cross, and I want God to help me, whether it's through a text message, a phone call, an Instagram post, whatever it is, help me to go to Samaria and meet that person where they are. Because I want to be God's disciple. I want to be a disciple of Christ, and I want to show Christ-like love to a person. The tech team's going to play a video, and it just simply says, what can I do? And if God's laid a, a person on your heart or mine, this altar's open. Feel free to join me. I'm going to be up here praying for this family member I just told you about. And I know that God can help me reach out. I'm so glad I had a godly mother who never gave up on me and godly grandparents that never gave up on me, and I'm so glad. Jesus had to go and meet me at the point of my need. We need to do the same in Christlike love for others. If God's laid someone on your heart, this altar's open. Be obedient to him today.